The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl G., and I bring you greetings from the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California. And I will be uh, one of your hosts for the hour. Today, we are going to be talking about building capacity to get the job done. Valerie, thank you for being on the line today. Thank you, Dr. G. Good to be here. Good to be, uh, get, good to, I guess, be here as well. And then we'll see who else um, joins us as the hour progresses. I'm thinking we'll just jump right into the uh, questions from our listening audience. So, Valerie, do you have any emails or calling questions? I have a question from Michael in New Mexico, Dr. G. He wants to know what is capacity building and what are some of its components, which I think is a good question to start with. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think that is a um, good question to start with. I think capacity building can mean a lot of different things to a lot of people. Um, But when I think of capacity building, I'm thinking just whatever it takes to get the uh, people and the resources and the things necessary to kind of get the job done. So it's really building one's ability mm-hmm. to get that mission accomplished, to get the vision, um, you know, bring it closer um, to fruition and to do so in a way that's consistent with one's values. Um, so for me, that's kind of like what I think of with regards to capacity building. Valerie, what do you think of when you hear the words capacity building? I it's uh, funny quite well not funny but ironic I did my master thesis on capacity building Dr. G and mm. uh the definitions are broad and varied I think they're um what I would say is that it's about the capabilities uh an organization having or an individual having the capability the knowledge uh, the resource that they need to be effective in their work, and as you say, getting the job done. So I think it's it's a it's if you um, look at it, it's it's a range of things, but it's about having the capability. It's about having knowledge and resources to the neighborhood get the job done effectively. NHA. Okay, uh, Valerie, are you still there? I am. Okay, I'm sorry. I had a little bit of a technical um, glitch there, but I did hear much of what you said with regards to um, your thoughts on capacity building. I'm wondering if from having done your thesis on this, if there's a favorite author. You don't have to answer now, but maybe you can give us some favorite authors because I know that part of your thesis process, I'm sure, included in that wonderful Chapter 2, a lit review. 
Yeah, oh, the fearless lip review. What do you say about that? Uh, that painful lip review usually. Uh, help me. But maybe as we go through the hour, if you can think of if there are some. Uh-huh. I forgot that's what you did your um, topic on. Yeah. So maybe if you can think of if there was a favorite, uh, favorite author that you might um, recommend, yeah, we would uh, love are. to have you share it. Yeah, there are a couple who has done some tremendous work, so I'll be happy to. Hello? Yeah. So oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. You want to go to that now? Or no, you I mean, want... just when, when you're ready, you can let me know. We can uh, we can go okay. there. Um, some of the other pieces of Michael's question was, I think you said, what are some of the components of it? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Um, so what would be your response to that? Oh, um, well... Um, I guess I would start by saying um, things like um, developing sound financial systems, um, helping the organization build strategic direction, building the capacity of the individuals, of people. Often people, uh, we don't think about capacity building as individuals, but the organization is what its people are, so building the capacity of people to lead, to function effectively, to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Good. So, yeah, so really it's all of those infrastructure things mm-hmm. as well as the information technology systems, yeah. I'm sure, can really be a component that one might add. I love the um, the sound um fiscal piece that you're talking about, because I think that that's, that's important. That's huge. <laughs> yeah, and then putting the systems in place, Michael, I think is another thing with regards to supporting the, the operational excellence with good systems mm-hmm. and um, and the skilled and competent workforce, mm-hmm. along with the leadership yeah. um, components to be able to use that. Yeah. Building uh, strong programmatic mm-hmm. um, themes as well. Mm-hmm. We often lead the programs out Mm-hmm. Uh, when we look at infrastructure, but that's important as well. Mm-hmm. No, that's excellent. You want to say a little bit more about that? Absolutely. I, I, you know, we take on um, funding to operate programs to serve people, um, and we often not, do not build the strength and capacity of individuals within those programs to carry out those services effectively. Um, and at the end of the day, when you measure success of an organization, it's the impact it has on the those they serve, whether it's community, whether it's a group of people, it's how well the program has been developed. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's that's awesome. Very good. So Michael, hopefully that gives you a little bit of a um of a peep into some thinking around what capacity building is as well as some of the components. Any other questions from our listening audience at this time, Valerie? Um, I have a question from Noble in Minnesota. Uh, Noble says, I lead fundraising and grant writing for our organization. I would like to know who funds capacity building. What type of organizations would I look to request operating support for our nonprofit? Mm, Noble, I absolutely love that question. Mm-hmm. And I probably have um, um, a little bit of a, probably a different take on it. So I think before I go to my different take, let me probably ask you, Valerie, to speak to what Noble was probably more directly thinking of. Um, 
Yeah, it says um, I would like to know who funds capacity building. There are a number of uh, organizations, foundations that fund nonprofits to um, do what we call capacity building, but most fund um, most of them fund directly program and services. So organizations like the Council of Nonprofits would have a list of organizations that fund nonprofit capacity building. There are things like um, regional association for grant makers. There are local foundations in your neighborhood. The United Way is a huge funder of uh, support, operating support. Um, the Foundation Center is another place you can go to look, uh, do research on foundations that fund capacity building. Uh, let me put a caveat in this, Dr. G. The, ter- the idea of foundations and other funders, even government funders, now um, funding capacity building or, as she said, operating support is relatively something that is just beginning to merge over uh, where I say peak, it's, it merged about 10 years ago that org- foundations and organizations should fund nonprofits to support the infrastructure of the organization and not just provide direct funding for programs and services. Um, and so a lot of foundations are now looking at that. Some are doing it as quote-unquote pilot funding. Others have been funding for a while. So um, you'd have to do your research for your area, the region you're in, but there are um, funders and organizations who would provide that capacity. Mm, thank you, Valerie. And the other thought that comes to mind for me along that same line would be organizations like the Alliance for Children and Family Services and yes. other associations mm-hmm. um, are very often in the capacity building, I might say, um, business as relates to providing dollars to help build capacity. <clears throat> and, you know, it's interesting. One of the, I was at a graduation this morning for um, nonprofits in the San Diego area where the county of San Diego has funded a year program for um, capacity building as it relates to individual uh, nonprofit organizations enhancing their competence around cultural competence. And so, you know, I was pleased to be one of the um, instructors for their Cultural Competence Academy um, and there are other types of things where a funder might say we need to develop skills, competencies in certain areas to build the capacity for uh, people who are delivering services to be able to do so in a trauma-informed way, in a culturally competent or informed way, in a community-informed way. And then they may provide some funding for a direct purpose for building capacities around very specific skills or um, abilities, or maybe it's a technology, so it might provide some capacity building. So you might even do noble some type of um, uh, some type of internal assessment as to what type of capacity needs to be built, and then see who may be actually. So they may not be funding that says capacity building as much as someone might support and provide and building infrastructure around technology. Someone else might support building uh, specific skills or it might be um, 
a vehicle for, for for getting some type of capacity building, again, in a different way that's not necessarily labeled capacity building as much as if you engage in it. Maybe someone's doing a fundraising or a grant writing training, and um, that may be an opportunity to go and build the capacity of someone in your team to have that skill or to, or to sharpen their skills in that area. So just wanted to put that out there as well. You know, that the, worked. Mm-hmm. Let, I want to interject this, Dr. G. I oh, worked sure. for a foundation that worked within the community and one of their capacity building, uh, one of the things they funded in terms of capacity building was providing a fundraiser who supported some of the small nonprofits in developing and implementing fundraising plans. So Mm -hmm. they did not get the person on staff, but the person was available, uh, paid by the foundation to help them carry out that work. Mm -hmm. So there are a multitude of ways that they fund um, capacity building for nonprofit organizations. Right. Even TNTA, I know out of the regional offices with like the Head Start Association, you know, it's very good to tap into and leverage what's available um, in that way as well. I want to also just talk about capacity building as it relates to an organization's responsibility for really assessing, you know, what are we asking staff to do and are we giving them the resources necessary to have the capacity to deliver um, on those services? Because I think so often we think about capacity building as being something that someone gives us to be able to do when we really need to be able to say, okay, how do we actually empower and make sure things are available? So enabling our staff to act. I want to talk about that a little bit more when we come back from break, and then we'll hear more from our listening audience with regards to questions or concerns they may have. So please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. What are the reasons that over three-quarters of small businesses fail within three years? Why do 70% of U.S. women-owned businesses make less than $50,000 a year? What causes mid-sized companies to stagnate? Although today many fundamentals of business remain the same, there are critical current changes that are not being acknowledged, and the result is costly. Tune in to Moving Forward with host Jen Sabin. We'll discuss the core reasons and plans of action to keep your business moving forward. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Today we're talking about building capacity to get the job done. And um, Cheryl G. from the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California, on the line here as your host today. And with me also we have Valerie Wright with Wright Ideals Unlimited out of West Palm Beach, Florida, our uh, associate producer also on the line. And Valerie did her thesis work in building capacity for uh, nonprofit organizations, very specifically, right, Valerie? Yes. Yeah, uh, so good. Nonprofits, yes. I'm sorry, say that again? For community-based nonprofits. Yeah, no, great. So I'll be um, looking to tap into, you know, much of what you've experienced as well as all of the fabulous lit review I'm sure you did in that area as well. Mm-hmm. I think before we went to break, I um, think it was Noble who had called in, and the difference, one might say spin or thought, you know, um, that I also just wanted to put on the table for consideration as it relates to building capacity to get the job done. Very often we will think about, um, you know, where do we get money, where do we get resources to make this happen, and um, it's also how do we actually assess, you know, really what we have staff to do, what we have resources to do, um, what we have the intellectual capital, one might say, in order to be able to do. How do we, how do we actually assess what we have the capacity to do before we even take on projects mm-hmm. and after we've taken on projects um, and really begin to think realistically about... Um, the cost involved, the resources involved, so that we're not burning out people. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes what we do is um, take on more and more and more, and as we're taking on more and more and more, um, we get swamped, and then we feel the um, we feel the swampness, and we feel the need to build capacity on the back end because we're just swamped on the front end. And and um, I know I have been there all too often myself, and I think it's real important for us as leaders within our organizations to really support our leaders and to really hear their voice um, when they're happy to make tough decisions about, you know, what do we really have the capacity currently to do and to do well, and what do we just need to understand we may not be able to do because we don't have the capacity to do it or we need to grow into doing? Because sometimes we lose really good people in the field and we burn people out in our field um, because we don't do that assessment on the front end and people just um, work themselves into sickness or work themselves into space of burnout, and then they just kind of um, jump off the ship and then they, you know, go someplace else to start anew, and then we end up replacing that person. All of a sudden, we figure out that we, you know, 
need to bring in two or three people to do what one person has burnt themselves out trying to do. Um, and I think that that's something just important for us to, to pause and think about um, because sometimes we're so focused on on um, stretching capacity within ourselves versus building the capacity with um, others around us. And I think sometimes building capacity might be, you know, developing direct reports. Sometimes it's collaborating with other departments. Sometimes it's partnering with other organizations. Um, There's lots of different ways to go about it. Uh, What it's not is just piling stuff on ourselves and having ourselves just work ourselves into a frenzy uh, without, you know, really just period, working ourselves into a frenzy instead of saying, okay, you know what, I'm I'm maxed out on capacity and um, I need to make some critical decisions. We need to make some critical decisions um, leader about uh, prioritizing based on what we currently can do and then also projecting, you know, part of, Part of it is, you know, projecting and as I'm getting in, you know, new opportunities and responding to new opportunities, am I responding and providing people the resources that go along with being able to do it and do it effectively? So just want to put that out there, too. Valerie, your thoughts on any of that? I know I kind of went on and on for a while there. No, I absolutely agree, Dr. G. How we manage our human resources determine how effective we are as an organization, how we are able to leverage them to get the best out of them, so to speak. Um, it's, it's key to organizational capacity. And in my research and working with the organizations that I've worked with in terms of assessing their capacity, uh, employee burnout was the biggest problem for organizations mm-hmm. because, one, they felt like they had to do more and prove more to continue to get the funding, um, they fail to have critical conversations with funders about their true capacity because they felt like if the funder knew what was really happening in the organization, they might not get refunded. Mm-hmm. So that was a catch-22. And then, you know, the other piece is that they felt like they had to do it all because they were, you know, working and dealing with issues in communities. And when people um, know that you... Uh, provide a service, then they expect more, and you have to draw the line somewhere. It's difficult when you're providing services to say, well, we've reached our capacity. Mm-hmm. So part of it is really managing human resources, as you've just spoken to so eloquently, is managing that so that people aren't burned out. Because if our people are burned out, then we are not going to reach our best capacity, our potential to really provide efficient and effective services, services that people really want to come and receive. And I know um, one of the things that Rudy Johnson, your president and CEO and my former president and CEO, always talked about is he wanted people to say that they would get the services we provided if they had the even if they had to pay for it. That's how good he wanted it to be, and all of that is about capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're so right, and and that, that's interesting that your research found that the number one one of the number one challenges was employee Absolutely. burnout because mm-hmm. with that with that piece there, when employees burn out, and you then have um, people. 
um, leaving, um, mm-hmm. be it voluntarily because they opt out or maybe they get burnt out and they're no longer performing well and we right. ask them to leave, or maybe right. they get sick um, because people who overextend themselves constantly aren't taking care of themselves very often. Mm-hmm. But what it brings is a void, and instead of being focusing on building capacity, we're trying to reestablish capacity because we burn out what, what, what would have been, you know, a really good resource, a really good person and um, to deliver that service. So I, I just, um, I think that's so important. I think it's so important for, for us as individuals, as leaders, to recognize that and to be, and to have the confidence to do also what you said and, and to be, you know, just to have the confidence to say, you know what, I know that I'm giving it my all and I just can simply not do everything. I need to figure out what's a reasonable amount of, you know, number of hours to work and to give, and what do I need to do to take care of my family and, you know, my other responsibilities in life, myself, um, so that I'm not getting to burnout. And so, you know, what's reasonable for me to be able to do, and now where do I need to make critical decisions, and then when do I need to start putting that business case together to either talk to, and sometimes the funder is simply our CEO, you know, sometimes the funders, right. those in our organization, Absolutely. yeah, sometimes it's those in the organization who actually has the ability to shift the resources as necessary to support us in delivering or, you know, getting down what we need to get done. And sometimes the conversation does have to go with a funder that's external. But it's really, um, I think that capacity building begins with really assessing what is my capacity, what is our capacity, mm-hmm. and then planning from there and building from there and making sure that we're not burning out, that we're not um, overextending, that we're not being wise with the capacity that we have to the extent to where we are constantly having to uh, replenish and replace and reestablish versus build. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that I, I, I want to emphasize that recognizing your capacity because having capacity doesn't mean taking on every issue uh, in the community and bringing it into our organization and overloading our staff with it. Maybe it means something you said earlier, and that's partnering with other organizations so that we aren't inundating our team, our staff people, with a second project, a second job sometimes, Mm -hmm. trying to have a uh, grant to do a um, more work that we just aren't equipped to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 it doesn't also mean taking on everything within the organization because sometimes people right. have functions that are external, and sometimes they have functions that are internal. Certainly, right. all go to that greater goal of having a positive impact in the community mm-hmm. because we serve. It, you know, it's really about the public's interest. Um, but in either way, you're absolutely right. I think looking for opportunities to collaborate is certainly a, a good way of um, looking at building capacity. The other point I want to make, and then we can kind of move on to our next question. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the other thing I want to say uh, kind of goes back to also something you said, and that is <clears throat> as we, you know, we go on and we take on, I think the other thing is leadership matters, and, you know, so as the topic, and my focus is always on the leaders. Um, when we take on more than we should take on, it rolls downhill, which means our staff are taking on more than they should take on. And, um, and, and so 
just wanted to put that out there as well because it's not so much, it's not just about burning out ourselves. It's also about burning out others because, as you said, going out there, taking on things, and after you get it taken in, then looking and saying, oh, well, do we have, you know, but no, can you negotiate that up front, Mr. Up leader, front. or Mrs. Yes. Leader? Can you, can you negotiate it up front to make sure that you have the capacity or that you give an expect, uh, a realistic expectation as to when you can take something on or the infrastructure that needs to be put in place or the staffing that needs to be put in place prior to? So not, because what happens is if you take it on again too soon and then you're spread so thin, then deliverables in other ways start dropping, and then you might lose something that's good because you weren't able to get it delivered because you're trying to get something new because you thought you'd be expanding your reach, but you didn't have the capacity to do it, and then so everything becomes at risk. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so I, I hear we're a cue. we got to go to a break, so I promise you when we get back, we're going to go back to those questions from our listening audience. So, anyway... Um, Loving this topic, though, because I think it's so important that we have this conversation. Please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You 
are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today we're talking about building capacity to get the job done. I'm Cheryl G. with the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California, and Valerie Wright, our associate producer, out of West Palm Beach, Florida, with Wright Ideals Unlimited is also on the line. Valerie, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Dr. G. Always a joy. Yes, and thank you always to our listening audience. And do we have additional questions from our listening audience? We do. I have a question from Jillian in Maine. Jillian mm-hmm. says, will you discuss capacity building for leaders and what that would look like in terms of an organizational strategy? Mm-hmm. Jillian, thank you so much for your question. I love that. I have some thoughts that come to mind. Um, Valerie, do you have any thoughts? Would you like to go first on that? I'll, I'll let you go first. I'm like, okay. Want me to? <laughs> no, you know, the thoughts that come to mind for me when I think of organizational strategy, I think of some real strategic leaders um, that I have worked with that um, I think are really good at doing that. And I think I'll step back and say it's so important for an organization to have a strategy. <clears throat> and when I say to have a strategy, to have a mission. So have clarity on what do you do, who do you do it for, and what's the value that you add to those you serve in society at large. A vision with regards to you implement that mission, you know, where should it be taking you, where are you driving, what will your organization, what would those that you served, what will be the impact that you have when you arrive. What's that vision, what's that painted picture that's inspirational that gets everybody energized around trying to get there and inspired. And then what's your values, how, do you, how are you committed to going about doing that. So I think that's that strategic filter. And I think looking at that strategic filter and saying, okay, based on that, where do we want to be? You know, based on that, if we're doing this implementation, you know, we kind of want to scan certainly the environment around us first and, you know, either do that conventional swap where we're looking at strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Um, but basically then looking and saying, okay, if I've been successful, and moving this organization forward, 10 years from now, five years from now, three years from now, what should be happening? And the person that comes to mind that's just so right on and great at doing this is Gerald McFadden. He's um, CEO with Volunteers of America, having done about maybe three cycles of five-year strategic planning um, one might say um, plans with them. I think what I'm most impressed about Drilled and his organization is the ability to not only develop the strategic plan, but to literally implement it and to be nimble still to the conditions in the world around them, but to really think strategically. I've, I've had the joy of working with him where he'd have 10-year think tank sessions. He'd say, hey, I want you to come. I want to facilitate a think tank, and I really want to think if this organization continues to move in this community the way we want to have it move, 10 years from now, how should the organization be organized and what should the organization be positioned to do? And based on that, what skills and abilities do we need to be developing? What processes do we need to be putting in place? What technology needs to be supporting us in order to make it happen? That's like awesome thinking. 
And part of that awesome thinking is then also looking at then, you know, how do we develop, groom, transition our most valuable resource, our people, to get there? And who do we need to be grooming or how do we need to be be framing those things as relates to knowledge management and succession planning so that we keep the capacity that we have and still build upon it for the future. Just a real live um, <clears throat> case study of excellence as relates to organizational strategy that really builds to or really looks to in a strategic way growing an organization um, in a way that's consistent with growing its capacity. Uh, Valerie, your thoughts? Uh, I, I totally agree, and I definitely understand Gerald's approach. Not many people do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, but mm-hmm. uh, I love that idea. Um, I think there are some key questions you have to ask in terms of capacity, like um, what is the current skill and experience of staff, if we're looking 10 years out, are, are these people going to be around then? What is the range of skill currently in the organization? You know, what, what are we not using that we have available to us? Often we put people in a job mm-hmm. and we leave them there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we kind of pigeonhole people who can actually add tremendous capacity and creativity and ingenuity to the organization, but we don't tend to audit what capacity and skills our team has outside of their job. Um, I think we have to think about um, programs that help develop the culture into a learning organization. Do we support new learning? Are we stuck in the same old ways? Uh, can we build a you know succession staying with what we what we've known and what we've done can we can the organization support learning coming in and then we definitely have to look at how we mentoring and encouraging people to grow and develop within the organization i think answering those questions in the context of what you talked about earlier the mission and what we want to be say 10 years from now and what we what we like to see happening, assessing where we are right now, being really clear about that. We can't just start moving forward and not know what we have, what we need to carry forward, and looking at our high potentials in the organization in terms of moving into the future. Mm-hmm. You know, and I um, would add to that. Another key word that mm-hmm. you spoke, and it just went like ding, 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 thoughts in my mind of other things to express to uh, Jillian, mm-hmm. was just the culture, developing a culture mm-hmm. that really supports development. And, um, you know, if we're going to be status quo, then a culture of, you know, things being status quo, we do the same thing, we have the same skills, we, you know, Exactly. Maybe even develop excellence in what we do, but perhaps it becomes obsolete because it's not necessarily keeping in tune with um, maybe the needs of others. Um, so I, I want to just stress the importance of capacity building being beyond a single person. You know, right. as, a, as an individual, I can, um, my DNA could support development and building. But if I don't 
take that DNA and share it with others to where it becomes a culture of what's being modeled, supported, and rewarded is that we look to um, develop the, you know, as you said, audit the skills, and then based on based on what we see mm-hmm. as being needed, um, begin to develop individuals, develop systems, um, gain the resources to, you know, to build and continue to move forward. It doesn't happen, and so I want to emphasize that it's um, when we're talking about organizational strategy. An important part of that strategy is creating the culture to support the vision. Mm-hmm. And um, so really being mindful about what do I as a leader need to model, support, and reward so that capacity building, so that, as you said, learning organization really becomes the culture because yeah. with that, having a developmental organization, then I'm always looking at doing that audit and um, based on what I audit and find, um, transitioning, moving to that next level. And so, and it's very strategic because it's all aligned with the mission and the vision and the values. Again, certainly I'm nimble with regards to, uh, I'm not boxed into anything, but I'm always refreshing and renewing and, and um, you know, doing that community assessment so that I have a community focus um, in how we're moving about uh, delivering services and growing in whatever way we need to be growing to be responsive to the needs of the community. Mm-hmm. And I want to emphasize this because part of what we talked about, and we talked about what is capacity building, we talked about knowledge. Learning and knowledge is capacity. An organization that is growing and learning uh, has capacity to be nimble, to be flexible to uh, thrive in a changing climate and in difficult conditions because you take that knowledge and you uh, change how you function and what you're doing in in those um, difficult environments. Mm-hmm. I know uh, Jenny Firmer, our co-host, often talks about knowledge management. Yes. And absolutely. yeah, I think that's near yeah. and dear to her. And I think a lot of that really speaks to what we're speaking to with yeah. regards to, again, the um, being able to um, maintain, have a good foundation that then one can continue to grow from because if we don't manage the knowledge that we have, which means the people also right. that yeah. we have, and we get high turnover, uh, our inability to maximize what we have, then we are eroding our ability yes. to build. Yes, we lose the knowledge because organizational knowledge lies within its team and its staff, and as we lose people, which makes um, mm-hmm. retention of employees a c- critical part of capacity building. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there are some people that need to exit and enter, but mm-hmm. we have to maintain a good core of our um, mm-hmm. team who have knowledge, who we've mm-hmm. invested in having knowledge, and who uses that knowledge to build the capacity and the strength and uh, bottom line, line of the organization. So mm-hmm. I, I totally yeah. agree. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, what makes that's a, the, Go ahead. No, I was just saying, yeah, I think it's so important to be really, you know, thoughtful about that process that you're talking about with regards to um, being thoughtful about 
how we bring them in and how we exit employees. Um, you know, are we bringing them in in a way that makes sense? kind of giving the skills and abilities that we need with regards to the pool of talent. Once they come in, are we developing it? Are we maximizing it? And as they're exiting, are we, are we managing the knowledge? Are we, do we have succession planning going on? Do we have knowledge management going on so that, you know, when they get to the point, you know, they're not leaving mad. They're not leaving burnt out. They're leaving in a good, healthy space. And we've thought about their exiting process so that, the knowledge can stay with us. When people leave angry, upset, mad, disgusted, we lose so much because we didn't create, and they're not very often willing to be, a conduit for transferring critical knowledge. And then you have to go and rebuild versus build what you got. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Fowler, do you have any other questions from our listening audience? I do. I heard the cue. Okay, great. So it looks like we need to take another um, <laughs> break. Thank you for hearing that, Chris, that, um, that clue. So we'll be right um, back with more on Leadership Matters. Get more questions in. Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by innovisions need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact innovisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services call 858-244-8264 that's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Tune in every week for the Ellis Martin Report. Our program will bring you the news and information that you need each week. We look at publicly traded small and mid-cap companies from a variety of sectors. We'll talk to key people in the industry to bring you the foreground and background of new and -and up-and-comers for potential investment. Please remember, invest only at your own risk. The Ellis Martin Report is meant for information purposes only. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more, not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. 
And we're back with more on Leadership Matters, talking about building capacity to get the job done. Uh, Cheryl G. from Neighborhood House Association, that's me on the phone here with you today, or I should say on the um, radio, and then also we have uh, Ms. Valerie Wright from Wright Ideals Unlimited out of West Palm Beach, Florida. Valerie, thanks again for being with us today and for bringing all your insights to this topic um, into this discussion with our listening audience. Thank you, Dr. G. Mm-hmm. Good to be here. Yeah. So any other questions? Yes, I have a question from Margaret in Florida. Okay. Margaret wants to know if there is a direct relationship between capacity building and sustainability in organizations, and if so, can we discuss that? Mm-hmm. Margaret, I love that question. Thank you so much for sending that in. Um, yeah, I think that there's definitely a relationship between capacity building and sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, Valerie, you want to give your thoughts on that as well? Yeah, I actually think that capacity building, um, the more the more you develop your capacity, the greater your ability to sustain the organization, to sustain the work, to sustain the impact you make in communities. Um, let's use an example. Um, when an organization, as we just discussed, um, Jillian's question about um, capacity building for leaders when we talked about succession planning, when an organization looks within its own staff and say, what do we have as um, bench strength, who's sitting here waiting to step into a leadership role, and look at who those individuals are, develop them into uh, the leaders they're going to need 10 years out to have that organization do what it intends to be doing in 10 years. We've already created a level of sustainability in the fact that we've invested in our future by investing in our employees who we build and prepare to take over leadership as a part of our succession planning. So I think there is a direct relationship between capacity building and the sustainability of the organization, of the organizational resources, of its future and ability to continue to carry out the mission and actually realize the vision. Mm-hmm. No, I think so, too. And I just love the whole concept and the thought of sustainability. And it's really mm-hmm. looking at, you know, how do we ensure that for generations to come, yes, um, we're able to continue to be responsive to the needs of our communities. And I think absolutely um, there's a direct correlation between having the capacity to do what it is you're doing now and staying responsive and part of growing in our responsiveness is growing very often in our capacity. And the capacity building doesn't always, not meaning that we're actually um, even doing more as much as getting even better at what we're doing. You know, using technology, it makes such a difference when you have the technology to be efficient and which allows you then to be more effective, hopefully, in the things that we're doing. So um, I think uh, capacity building and sustainability go hand in hand because an important part of uh, sustainability is being able to be efficient and effective in what we're doing. Um, and again, capacity building, I may not necessarily be doing more, but hopefully I'm developing the ability to be more effective and what it is I'm doing. So 
sometimes we think capacity building is is serving more people or you know, but maybe it's also about really, you know, how can I be more efficient and more effective at what it is I'm doing? Yeah, I agree, Dr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Valerie, I know that I had asked them, um, maybe before we go to another question, if you have one, perhaps we can pause here and have you, um, and know, have you had a chance to reflect on maybe some of your favorite references that you might give our listening audience on um Capacity building, any come to mind for you? Yes, Dr. G. There, one of the um, one of the big names in community capacity building is Paul C. Light, mm-hmm. and I, I think I have like about six references um, of his work as a part of my uh, bibliography. He he's done quite a bit of work for the Brookings Institute, mm-hmm. um, uh, funded research. One of the books, uh, well, actually it's a report he did called Making Nonprofits Work, a report on the tides of nonprofit management reform, which I think is really good when you get into talking about capacity building. Um, He also did uh, a study on sustaining nonprofit performance, the case for capacity building, and the evidence to support it, which is also done for... uh, the Brookings Institute, and then there are quite a few more. One of the other ones, and it's another Paul, but Paul Conley did a great work uh, called Building the Capacity of Capacity Builders, a study of management support and field-building organizations in the nonprofit sector, and I love that work he did because it talks about individuals who work with organizations uh, from the outside to help them build capacity. And that includes leadership development. It includes training uh, staff of organizations. Uh, it includes helping them plan. And uh, it's just a great work. So those two guys, there are quite a few more who've done work, but I think they I love Paul's work because it's very practical in terms of assessing organizations on the ground and how they've been able to build their capacity. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I love that. And, you know, I, I, again, I, I um, echo um, and maybe try to refine what I was trying to communicate earlier. I think as we become more efficient and more effective in what it is we're trying to do, um, hopefully it leads to what you talked about in the beginning, and that is really having a um, more positive impact on those we serve in our communities at large. And, you know, sometimes when we're looking at capacity building, it's not, you know, I want to get a bigger grant, offer more of this. I want to be, I want to be effective. I want to um, bring about the changes we're trying to bring about in order to improve the lives of uh, those that we are serving. And sometimes that might mean that we're that as we become more efficient and effective in doing one thing, then hopefully it gives us the capacity to do something else. And maybe it does then give us a a broader reach. And um or, or maybe again it just makes us just that much more impactful in the work that we're doing in our communities. Um but I think in in any way um Either way, it's really, you know, how do we look at what it is where we've been entrusted to do and make sure that we continue to grow in our ability to be effective? And, and if that increased ability to be effective is about increasing knowledge, skills, abilities, um, 
you know, capability to make it happen, then that's really what we're talking about today. Absolutely, and I think mm-hmm. that, you know, we have to kind of like that's keeping our eye on the ball, that mm-hmm. it's not about capacity for capacity's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, and often, in both in my work uh, uh, in preparing my thesis, but also in my work in communities, uh, leading community organizing projects and working in community with nonprofits uh, through a foundation, is that we get, we get it, sometimes we become about the organization and lose sight of the work, the outcome of the work. So I think that we have to remember capacity building is about the impact we make on communities and the lives of those living in communities we are serving. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful note to end on. Thank you so much again, Valerie, for being with us today, and thank you so much for our listening audience for tuning in and for sending in your very thought-provoking questions. Please join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Matter.